Hey, man, what's happening? Hey, Cole. I don't know, man. These Mac Ventures got me down. Hmm. The problem is that you die much too easily. The answer's clear if you just take it logically. I'd like to help you in your fight to keep living. There's more than 50 ways to die in a Mac Venture. I hear what you're saying, Cole. But, I mean, I don't know. I just keep dying. Everything I do, I just keep dying and dying. I keep dying. I mean, do you have any more advice for me? Well... It's dangerous spaces that you're seeking to intrude. There won't be enough of you for a proper funeral. But I'll repeat myself, you best listen to me, dude. There's more than 50 ways to die in a Mac Venture. More than 50 ways to die in a Mac Venture. So, what are, what are some of the ways to die that I need to watch out for, my man? Well, you anger a ghoul, Jules. Step on a nail, Dale. I'll, I'll be set ablaze, Dave. Just get yourself free. I'm getting it. I mean, I'll get myself shot, Scott. Get yourself cursed, Hearst. I'll grab the magic key, Lee. Yeah, and get yourself free. Yeah, all right. Yeah. I'm oh. picking this up. Oh, one more thing. Oh, where'd the, where'd the music go? Oh, that was weird. What happened to us? <laughs> oh, just watch out for fireballs. My name is Gary Butterfield. And my name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro video games podcast. And this week we are going to be talking about uh, several games. The Mac Venture Collection, which is our catch-all title for uh, a series of games that was developed by ICOM Simulations uh, for, the Mac, uh, the, for the Macintosh platform back in the 80s. And these three games are Deja Vu, Uninvited, and uh, we're going to finish out with uh, the heavy hitter, Shadowgate. Yeah, and these games, this is the first time we've done multiple games in one podcast. And the reason that kind of makes sense is these games all are developed under the same engine. They're all very similar and uh, kind of just genre exercises. So these were uh, developed between 1985 and 1988. And uh, we're going to focus on the NES ports, um, which were released between 1989 and 1991. Um, There are also ports for Windows. Um, as well, but the NES is how myself and uh, several people first came to these games. Now, all these games were developed by a pretty small core group de- uh, group of developers, and they used this engine, like Gary said, that is pretty much virtually identical and was actually pretty pioneering uh, for the time. Mm-hmm. And the first game to come out under this engine was Deja Vu um, in 1985. It's notable for being the first point-and-click adventure game as we kind of understand them. Yeah, the the original Mac versions actually behaved much like desktop applications uh, with windows that could be rearranged. Uh, you could sort your items like you could in the Finder. Uh, you dragged items from the uh, from the environment like uh, you were dragging an item on a desktop. Really, it was kind of taking advantage of the uh, of the GUI that uh, that the Macintosh platform um, kind of provided at the time. So the games take place. It's a first person perspective with uh, the scene the players see just inhabiting a quarter of the screen. So you get a static shot of where you're at. Um, below that is a, uh, a view of uh, 
the room, so you can kind of see an abstract view of the room, so you can kind of see where the entrances and exits are, and uh, and then a list of verbs that can be selected, you know, similar to like Maniac Mansion or Monkey Island, you know, hit, talk, take, open, close, etc. Kind of similar to anything in the Scum Engine. So uh, I was actually surprised in doing my research to find out that this predated uh, the Scum Engine because mm-hmm. uh, I thought that the I thought that that was the uh, the, the the genesis of that kind of uh, that kind of adventure play. Everything else before that was, <clears throat> you know, Leisure, Leisure Suit Larry with text parsers and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, all of the games feature really well written text, uh, which kind of shares this common tone across uh, the four games, uh, or uh, across all of the games, all three of them. Um, this is a tone of kind of like graphic description. I mean, you're going to die a lot and they find <laughs> pretty inventive ways to, uh, to, to figure out how, you know, your mother will weep upon seeing your corpse. Um, and they've got some pretty tongue in cheek humor in there too, which is, uh, I'm pretty sure the, the phrase closed casket comes up, <laughs> like, so, which is just the darkest thing to say to anybody. <laughs> just about. Next, next time I'm on the bus, I'm just going to look at the, the first guy who gets on and just be like, Hey, <laughs> Close casket. <laughs> just going to bury a portrait of you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, a, 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 a coffin full of bricks to symbolize you. Exactly. So, <laughs> to, get the, to make the pallbearers earn their keep. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> yeah. And the, the games are also really notable for, uh, or at least the, the NES ports, for uh, adding music. And the, the music in all three games is really good, uh, especially in Shadowgate. I think Shadowgate, the music in Shadowgate has one of the secret, maybe like top five NES soundtracks. Yeah. It's so, so good. Somebody um, on the Something Awful forums actually linked to like a metal cover medley of the uh, of, of that uh, of that soundtrack, which is secretly one of the best things I've heard. Yeah, and I don't it's, even it's care for metal rad. that much. Like, the, like there's something about that kind of like medieval fantasy music that lends itself so well to metal. Yeah. It just sounds so appropriate, and it, that that soundtrack sounds really, really cool. Credit to that goes to Mega Man's Jockstrap. We will put a link to that. <laughs> we will put a link yes. to that in the uh, in the show notes. It's the forum poster, not the jockstrap. <laughs> um, the reason Cole uh, kind of had a slip earlier and said four games. Um, one of the things that's true is that there's actually a fourth game in this series, uh, sequel to Deja Vu, uh, but we it is very, very difficult to find. I thought that I had a uh, a copy of it available and did not. So we decided not to do that. And also so we can do this in kind of one episode, whereas four games in one episode might be a little bit tough. Yeah. It was so. released, like all of these were put out for the Game Boy Color, or at least most of them were. It was released as kind of like this double pack for the uh, for the Game Boy Color. And uh, we didn't want to make people figure out how to emulate the Game Boy Color. So. Right. And, th- and that's, what I, that's what I had. That was oh, what yeah. confused me. Yeah. So yeah, so we're going to go ahead and start with the order they were released, or go in the order they were released, starting with uh, Deja Vu, A Nightmare Comes True. Which is a really kind of like not apropos subtitle, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, deja vu works. Yeah. And you're dealing with amnesia. You're constantly having these flashbacks. But a nightmare comes true. Like that. Uh, I mean, it, r- it rhymes. <laughs> that belongs on Uninvited or that belongs on Shadowgate. That does not yeah. belong here. Uh, <laughs> this one was, uh, as we mentioned before, the first of the Mac Venture series. It was put out in uh, on the Mac in 1985 and released for the NES in uh, 1991. These are kind of released in reverse order, so it's kind of strange that as as people would have naturally played them on the NES, it's actually going backwards in kind of complexity and quality. Um, mm-hmm. So we're going to kind of approach them and like them ramping up to their zenith, which is which is uh, uh, Shadowgate. But uh, Deja Vu, it holds kind of a special place in my heart uh, because it falls squarely into the hard-boiled detective uh, genre of film noir, which is uh, 
just the best. Right, right. All, all three of these games are real like genre exercises. They're all kind of like, to me, um, something I, I came to playing them is that they're kind of, you know, they might be a kind of a first exposure in a game form of some of these kind of things to, to a younger person. Um, Uninvited was definitely the first explicitly horror-themed game I played. And this was the first, you know, noir game that I played as a kid. So that was really cool. I mean, I obviously played fantasy-based games before. Yeah. But each of the games just kind of takes this genre, goes through goes through the tropes. I don't think anything is really revolutionary in it, but the fact that they're treating it as this as this, you know, interactive uh, adventure game kind of thing makes it kind of fun. And especially, you know, and I'll I'll, we'll, I'll talk about this a little bit more at length, but one of the real noteworthy things about this is, you know, the fact that they were released for the NES, which is a, a platform where this genre was very underrepresented and uh I think there's probably many children's first exposure to this type of game. It was that in the Who Framed Roger Rabbit game. Right. <laughs> Which is the less we speak of that, the, the better. <laughs> that is uh, that game is, is rough. Um, and obviously the, the Maniac Mansion port for Nintendo was, was wonderful, but I, I definitely remember these games getting me interested in that. Yeah. So, and anything that exposed me to, to Maniac Mansion. And again, <laughs> just as a, a little connector, like Maniac Mansion, again, no particular music on the PC version. Amazing music on the NES version. Yeah, just because they had so. this awesome sound technology, to, you know, these awesome sound chips to take advantage of. Yeah, and people expect music because of that. Yeah, but and it's what, and it's it's for the best. What's cool about these like being genre exercises, and you know, this this I think comes to play more in in Deja Vu. At least it did for me. Uh, than I did for the others. But what's cool about that is if you're if you're kind of genre savvy, you kind of you 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 know how to approach things. So like mm-hmm. you look at this car, you think, hmm, maybe I probably shouldn't try to start it up without kind of poking around, um, right. because it's gonna you know, gonna be car bomb. So if you're aware of like what would happen in a hard boiled detective novel or movie, you can kind of approach it from a, from a certain angle. Right, right. Especially with this one, I'd say that's much stronger with Deja Vu. Yeah. Um, so this one, uh, the, the plot of this, you, you wake up in a bathroom stall, you have no memory of who you are, and nothing but uh, your, nothing to your name except your trench coat and a gun, which is, which is pretty rad. Um, it's right after the attack on Pearl Harbor, and you have a, a mystery to solve, not least of which, who you are and how you got there. Yeah, we should probably change the tone of how we read this. You quickly discover that you're in a bar. You've been drugged, and you're likely being framed for the murder of that poor palooka in the upstairs office. You escape the bar and get ready to solve some crime. <laughs> yep, it's crime time. <laughs> Your name is Ace Crime Time Harding. Yeah. Um, so um, you, you find out that you're in a bar, you've been drugged, um, you've been framed for this murder, as you said. The, you know, eventually, you discover that you're Ace Hardy, uh, you're a former boxer, you're a current private eye, and uh, the people trying to frame you are former business partners, but you uncover enough evidence to get them convicted of the crime while uh, destroying enough evidence to exonerate yourself. It's which is which is interesting just cuz you know it forces you to really 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 pay attention to what's happening. This out of all of the this is definitely uh as this this one was probably my least favorite but it's also was the toughest and kind of the um the game that took the longest for me to figure out what I needed to do mm-hmm. other than just kind of following the adventure game, you know, breadcrumbs like yeah. do everything in a location until you get a key to go to another location and do everything you can. Yeah, you know, um, and that that evidence um, thing. I mean, we'll get to that. I don't yeah. want to jump the gun too much, but that was that was really interesting. So let's just kind of start. We're going to go through kind of the locations. These are these are really small games too. It should be said. Yeah, um, these aren't huge, you know, sprawling adventure games. Each one maybe has, and I feel like this game has 
maybe seven locales and it's seven or eight. Yeah. Um, and then that's mostly true of, of, of the other ones as well. There's not that many, many rooms to explore. There's a bit of backtracking, but that's really just if you forgot an item or, you know, things like that. Right. So you start out in this bar um, and it's kind of weird that you can't leave the bathroom that you're in until you look in the mirror. Yeah. But that kind of, that kind of starts the, uh, the, uh, you know, the, uh, the device that they have, whereas as you kind of encounter evidence of who you were, you get kind of like childhood memories flashing back to you. And, mm-hmm. you know, the memories become more and more recent until you actually, you know, kind of discover who you are. Right. And, and the, uh, the recovered memory theme music is kind of appropriately haunting. Yeah. I, I always had a, had a reaction, an instant reaction to that. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the cool things is the actual uh, user interface the the text scroll that narrates for you for this is a as a, a bullet mm-hmm. that moves to the side that makes a typewriter noise, so it's some kind of typewriting bullet. And each game has their own specific little uh, you know touch as far as that goes. It's kind of like on your old Geo GeoCities site how you had a you had a pointer that was Sonic's shoe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> with with huge trails yeah. behind it all the time. Exactly. Yeah. And then and then just like you know like a midi of more than a feeling you know, for, for no particular reason. <laughs> One of the, one of the uh, so, so you're exploring this bar, which is that you, you quickly find out is really kind of strange. There's a lot more to it than you would think, um, including there are like secret passages. Um, there's a secret elevator uh, and, and also strangely kind of a torture room, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like a uh, like a saw-esque uh, room with straps. Yeah, yeah, just either a torture room or a BDSM chamber. Um, yeah, <laughs> really, really bland BDSM though. If, you, if, if the yeah, person just can sit down like that, yeah, exactly. Like, there's no access there. Well, it's just out of frame. There's a sex swing there. Um, yeah. but... <laughs> I saw the dame in the sex swing. She had gams that went from <laughs> she had gams that went from harness A to strap B. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, you find in this room with the uh, with the crazy sex chair um a bunch of a bunch of medicine bottles um and this is kind of evidence of you know nintendo's censorship policies at the time and the original pc version it was you know vials of medicine and a syringe um but in the nes you have to um you have to dig around in the trash and find these capsules and these medicines they become really really important as you go on um and that's one of those things that you can kind of forget as you go uh so i had to backtrack to here a couple times to pick up what i needed in order to uh solve the things that i needed to especially the the capsules like the yeah. um i definitely remember missing those um because you, it's not intuitive to dig through every garbage can and you you run into garbage cans before this but you um when you dig in them you find nothing yeah. So this is just kind of the one jackpot, you know, uh, garbage can. Um, one of the more frustrating. So each of these games has a built-in limitation or time limit, or or a couple of different kind of limitations. And uh, one of the which is as you're wandering around, you'll start having these attacks. <laughs> um, you'll start feeling woozy and dizzy and everything because of this memory loss or the drugs you're on that have given you amnesia. Um, and it kind of just limits you. So you you have this 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 non-explicit time limit through the game. And all three games share this. They all handle it in a different way. Um, this one, I feel like it, it come, you don't get the solution for it for quite a while. Like, right. did you ever um, die from that? No, no, I didn't. In fact, I didn't know this was a thing until I was doing my post-game research. Okay, yeah, I, I, definitely, I definitely died from it once or twice. And it, it just uh, there's a couple places where if you go into an area before you've cured yourself of this amnesia, you automatically die. But if you just wait long enough, you can. And I think it's just the number of actions you take 
yeah, everything, all of those I noticed, um, especially in Shadowgate, it is determined by the number of things that you do, which is right. counterintuitive because because you're kind of encouraged by this. I mean, as evidenced by the trash can, you're encouraged to look at and poke and prod everything because you know there there are non obvious places where crucial items are hidden. Not only that, but there's also a lot of items, and something <laughs> so this, this game does that I can't. I still have not decided, and maybe we'll decide through the course of a podcast whether this is a a really neat design decision or if it's, uh, you know, and really genre savvy or if it's a terrible design decision. But these games have more kind of chaff items than any other adventure game. So if if you're a student of the genre, you understand (laughs) that you need to pick up every possible thing you can pick up because the game wouldn't put it there unless you needed it. Uh, This game just fills the world with objects that would be there. And, you know, maybe a quarter of them to a third of them are useful. So you're constantly picking up like seltzer water and chewing gum and, and bowl one and umbrella two <laughs> and, and all this shit. And uh, uh, a lot of it's never going to be useful at all. And uh, all those actions are contributing to your time, time limit. So all of these actions you're picking up. And I've read before that that was those two design philosophies are intertwined. The idea being that, they give you all of this stuff to do, but they don't. They want you to make more conscious decisions about what you pick up and what you take, and right. so they do that by giving you a limit of how many actions you can take. But um, it just—it was really interesting to me. Like when I—it's I, something I'd forgotten about between when I played this when I was young and now, because I played a lot more adventure games mm-hmm. in the in the interim. Um, is it just how much of this stuff is just you know useless, totally useless? Being that this was the first point-and-click adventure game, it's 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 hard to like make it you know make a judgment on them being like, oh, we're gonna do this weird thing with the genre because they were you know every their every move was the new tradition, as they would say in Akewood. Um But I, I don't know. I, I would I would disagree with that because the, the essentially like the the point-and-click the kind of uh, item inventory management everything is a well-worn like text adventure. Yeah, it's true. You know, I suppose. So and then text adventures didn't have items that you didn't need. Mm. In them. Okay. See, I think that each each game kind of takes advantage of it in its in its own way, and we'll get to the evidence, you know, disposal stuff. But in this one, you know, as you're kind of like trying to put the pieces together, um, there are a lot of unnecessary pieces for you to kind of like you know go through, and you're not sure like what will incriminate you, and you know, kind of what won't. So that's kind of how this game kind of takes advantage of that because mm. all of these you know kind of like red herrings will distract you um, from what you actually need to take to the police in the end game, right? Which is, which is pretty neat. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that happens at this bar is my first, the first evidence of the the writing in this game, which is really funny. Like I, I like I forgot how funny these games are. There's just it, it's I maybe am projecting tone into it, but there's a part where you're on the fire escape, and if you uh, look at the fire escape, it says you're on a fire escape. When there's a fire, you should use it to escape. <laughs> and just like just real like matter of fact, like there's a typewriter, and if you look at that, it says um, it's a typewriter. For those who are literate, it's a handy tool. And just like the, the kind of like the tone of, of the, the descriptions and everything is really funny to me. Yeah. I wrote down a bunch of them um, <laughs> you know, just because any of them that tickled me. Yeah, pepper them through because I didn't take as, as detailed notes as you did this time. Um, but yeah, just when you have a game that depends on the writing so much, it's, it's, it's laudable that even with the limitations that they had you know, on the platform, only being able to display like 40 characters at once, um, you know, that they you know, painted these worlds with, mm. with, with that text. Agreed. One of the kind of like frustrating things that you don't discover until later is that not only are you uh, time limited by your, uh, you know, condition, you're kind of limited by money as well. Money yeah. is really 
only necessary in that you need to get around to certain locations. Um, and if you run out of quarters, you basically are boned. Um, and the way that you get more money, you find some coins at the beginning, uh, but you have to play a slot machine uh, in the illicit casino in order to uh, kind of like, uh, you know, increase your purse. Right. And and you, you're you not 100% boned. The, the cabbies will let you go, I think, once without oh. being able to pay them. They say like, ah, oh, times are tough everywhere. And let you go, but you can't you can't abuse that. And the slot machine, you always win on your last quarter. Mm-hmm. And you can if you come to it without a quarter, there'll always be a quarter inside the slot machine. Okay. So it doesn't bone you, but what it does mean is if you're like me and you want to just get enough coins for the game, you want to save up maybe thirty or, or twenty five or thirty coins. Um, it can take a lot of watching a really bland slot machine cycle through its its things until you get a decent jackpot. Yeah. You know, so a lot of times I'd be going through playing it and I would win like nine coins, which is not not nearly enough, you know, <laughs> and uh, that was really frustrating. So that, that is a really annoying limit too. the currency kind of comes into play a couple other ways and it never quite realizes its potential. I thought that was a really interesting idea for this kind of adventure game that there that there was money. I mean, there's a, a gun shop that you can go to called the Pizza Night Gun Palace. Um <laughs> Where you can buy a, a new gun if you want to for for no particular reason, yeah, and uh, buy bullets for the guns for a quarter each. Other than, and you can also you can pay off a mugger with a with a twenty dollar bill that you find if you'd like. But um, other than that, like there's just they didn't do very much with it. It's just it's just a touch. Do we mention that there's a dead guy in the bar? Yeah, I think we did it in, in the intro. Yeah, you, you, yeah. There's a there's a dead guy upstairs um, in, in his office. Yeah, in, in front of a safe. He's been he's been shot. And uh, as it turns out, I mean, this is, you know, obviously a spoiler, but it turns out this is the man you are being framed for for murdering. So that's a bit distressing. So you kind of have the beginnings of your, you know, pieces of where you need to go. I think over the course of exploring the bar, you find some notes that kind of have addresses for you to go and check out um, and investigate. So you take out to the streets. There's a a car parked out front that Cole had mentioned, which is the... uh, the car with the car bomb and if you if you kind of walk down the street you'll run into a lady who says that she left a surprise for whoever you know uses the car next but you can also just kind of be genre savvy and, and know better than that one of the, my favorite things that I, I came upon in this game so we'll talk about it i'm sure but you you death comes early and often in the, <laughs> the mac adventure games but the you just start maybe a screen back when you die there's not very much consequence for death so, and the, the, a lot of the game's kind of best and, and most fun morbid writing is mm-hmm. in the death. So, you know, if you're not at least trying to kill yourself a little bit in these games, you're kind of playing them wrong. You know, it is, it is fun to, to see all the different ways you can, you can cause kind of mayhem. <laughs> and when you're on the streets, you can run into this mugger. If you shoot the mugger, the police will come and you'll lose. If you give him, you can give him your money, but there's lots of, like, if you give him a quarter and you have a $20 bill in your inventory... He accuses you of holding out on you and, and shoots you um, or holding out on him and everything. But my favorite thing to do is the mugger would come up and he's like, you know, my, my mom told me not to steal, but she also told me not to kill people. So give me your money. <laughs> and then I immediately shoot myself in the face. 
just just to ruin his day because <laughs> no no consequence i just start a couple screens back and the mugger's randomized so he doesn't show up in the same place every time right but every time i got to do that it made me laugh like it's like <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> like, like, jokes on you buddy like who, how, what would you do if that happened in real life oh no like you know it makes me wish i had continues in real life just so if i ever got mugged i could just be like yeah buddy bam you know it just that cracked me up Oh man, you were much more delighted by the mugger's presence than I was. That was <laughs> that that was just like it was like a random chance that you could lose. It's kind of like oh, there might be a Gru here, except at least with the Gru, it was predictable where we you know he would be. <laughs> you, can, you can deal with the mugger. He shows. I mean, he can show up a maximum of like there's a maximum number of times he can show up, but you can give yeah. him your money, um, and and get and get past him. Yeah. So. I guess I guess every time that I encountered him and it was a problem, I had already used the twenty dollar bill to buy a gun that I didn't need. Yeah, um, yeah, the, the one of the three guns in the game for no particular reason. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you kind of get into the car and through kind of messing around with it and not starting it, uh, you 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 find an address, but you also find out that there is a very obese woman being kept in the trunk. Right, right, and the game is really uh. The people who wrote this game have no no conception of uh, any kind of health at every size movement. Like every every possible opportunity to make a crack about this woman's weight is taken, and then just the meanest possible way. Like you're just like, whoa, what a whale! A 400 pound blob. Is it like you just like just go on about it like it was nothing? Like the main thing about this woman being tied up in a trunk of a car is that she's fat. Yep. Like that, that's the main thing of note. Um, so that that was pretty you know uh, evidence of a bygone era. <laughs> um, but that's kind of a, that's a fun little puzzle because you need to, uh, you remove her gag and then you have to give her, once you find out what your drugs do, you have to give her a sodium pentanol to get her to, to get truthy yep. and, and spit out a, an address for you. And then you leave her in the trunk. Yep. <laughs> Until the Cause, end. Cause she's fat. What does she care? Yeah. She's not going to starve to death right away. There. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> although so you know those old hard tops they had big trunks yeah that, um, that's, good suspensions too yeah um, <laughs> they'd have to with that kind of whale huh yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, oh yeah i forgot to mention when you kill yourself you, you shoot yourself and it says uh, uh that's one way to go out with a bang so much for all your dreams and aspirations <laughs> and it's so good it's like, like it's like, it's a, like the tone of the narration of this game is so good <laughs> It's an after school special. Yeah. <laughs> so much for that, champ. Way to go. <laughs> well, that's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. <laughs> <laughs> Sucker. Jesus. Uh, yeah. yeah so you you kind of go to some different uh, locations around the city, you know, putting together this mystery. One of the more interesting ones is when you uh, eventually get to the office building, which contains the, uh, the doctor's office. Which is when you solve this this problem of am, amnesia. So you have all these different medicines. You don't know exactly what they do. You have to find documentation to uh, to figure out what they do. And several of them are uh, are poisonous, are are deadly if you take them. And then some of them can be used to treat your amnesia, and some can be used um, that sodium pentanol that we met, that we mentioned. And I, I thought that was pretty fun, kind of like looking through the effects and like you had to put the clues together. Um, earlier on, you figure out what drug you're under the influence of. Mm-hmm. And then you have to look through the kind of medical speak to see the drug that treats it. One thing that was kind of taken away from the uh, from the NES version because you're you're using capsules and not a syringe, uh, the the you could poison people in the uh, in the original versions, mm. from what I understood. So you could be a maniac walking around and injecting people with poison, as which you... is pretty awesome. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I miss that. When when you're taking the drug to get your memory back, 
one of the random memories comes back is about your dog. <laughs> and the memory, here's another quote that I wrote out, which is, uh, say woof, Taco. Want to play? Taco sends you to the hospital for stitches. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are you talking about, Mac Venture? <laughs> Taco the dog. Taco. <laughs> <laughs> gosh this is the 40s too tacos were a, were a delicacy at the time <laughs> <laughs> from a strange and foreign land called <laughs> from the aztecs from the, yeah. the ancient aztecs <laughs> they call, um, we call them corn sandwiches yeah. um <laughs> but, but god i love film noir um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you you know that's that that's a fun little puzzle. Um, you can also find your own office where a shadowy figure is standing inside. Um, yeah, which, that's a really cool part too. This was something I remembered from when I was young. Um, you can't risk uh, him getting the drop on you, so you have to shoot him through the glass. Yeah, and then that's really cool. And I and I like how like you're, you're I mean at least coming to this from a later standpoint where every adventure game is nonviolent. Um, how often in these Mac venture games, just straight unbridled violence is, is, is often the solution. So you can try and finesse your way around this, but there's no way to do it except just shooting him through the glass. Finally, I realized, oh, that's like something I would see in touch of evil, you know? Right, right, <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, yeah, that the whole kind of weapon system in this game is another, is the other part of that kind of, I think, interesting, but kind of flawed thing about this game with the currency. So, you know, you have this weapon, you have guns, you have to keep track of ammo, you have different guns that can take different ammos. It's kind of unnecessarily complicated, mm -hmm. you know, in, in that respect. And you use it, you know, you shoot this guy. Um, you mostly use it for a couple of areas where you, there are things that are locked that you don't have a key for. Yeah. Every time that happened, I thought that was fucking unfair. <laughs> exactly. Because why can't, I, like, either just let me do it to all locks. Because you have this built-in limit of bullets, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So just let me do it to all locks. Or just, you know, have keys for all locks. Don't have some locks just be magically only opened by bullets, yeah. you know? Like, that was, like, the one, like, in this game, the big serious piece of adventure game bullshit that, you know, pissed me off. Yeah. I was, like, when I when I realized that, like, I, I ended up, like, I couldn't remember from when I was young. I ended up looking at a fact and, and just, like, oh, I have to shoot it? Huh. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I tried that earlier on, like, three different doors and it didn't work. I have keys one through seven, but it turns out I just need the lead key, see? Yeah, yeah exactly. Nature's key. <laughs> but uh, this is the only time that you can actually shoot a man without consequence. Yeah, you can you can punch people. Oh, the yeah. lady who warned you about the car bomb, you sock her in the jaw and steal her purse and then, <laughs> then run away. So, um, so, you, so you're here, you're slowly, you know, you look through the files. And one of the interesting things is in your office, there have been files planted. So you're looking through the different files, and they have contradictory messages. One is from like a you know an actual job that you're hired for, I want to say, and then some of them are for this fake job. And uh, kind of realizing that was a was a you know the game kind of outright tells you earlier, but kind of spotting these contradictions was really fun. You have to pay more attention than you would expect to if you're coming at the genre from like kind of like later times. You know, with 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 LucasArts games, you're kind of looking for puns. You're looking mm -hmm. for humorous ways that the items might interact. Um, and with mist, like, yeah, there's lots of journals and stuff, but it's mostly in terms of code and in terms of, you know, like mechanical things and patterns. But mm -hmm. with this, you're actually like trying to look for contradictions in the narrative. Right. Which is pretty cool. Like, I, I don't think it was perfectly realized for um, being the first point and click adventure game. That's pretty damn neat. Yeah, <laughs> you know? absolutely. Yeah. Super, super important. Yeah. Um, so as you're, as you're putting together this narrative, uh, you also end up at, at a mansion, um, with the people who are, um, who have framed you uh, or, or one of the, the people. And this is where all the evidence kind of comes together. One something that's really creepy 
in this is that they're they're sleeping, and if you hit them, you know, because I was trying to kill myself, I wanted to see all the death descriptions I could. Yeah, yeah. Um, it says no matter how hard you hit the sleeping person, they just won't move or wake up. <laughs> yeah. Like, which is like, whoa. <laughs> like, again, real creepy, Mac Venture. It's the forties. Heroin was flowing in the streets like wine. That that's my, that's my guess. So yeah, so we're we're getting near the end game of uh, of Deja Vu, yeah. and uh, kind of the, the so this is when you have all the evidence, but it's up to you to kind of put together the clues to realize you also have evidence that implicates you, that was planted on you, and uh, and one of the kind of the, the least intuitive but theoretically neatest sequences in the game. Before you go to the police, you have to make sure that you have no evidence that implicates you and have all the evidence that would implicate the criminals. So you would have to. You would have to drug these people. You would have to somehow feed them these capsules with the sodium pentothal to get them to issue their own confessions, right? Mm. But that leads you to the evidence inside that that implicates them. So I didn't. I didn't drug the sleeping people. No. No, that's cool that you can do that. Yeah, no, he, I I went to I I just went through their house, you know, took everything I could, and then went to the sewer and just got rid of the stuff that that would have implicated me. Because okay. there's a, you find this thing that's a timeline, and yeah. that really puts it all together. And it's just a, a secretary's kind of list of tasks to, to ruin you. <laughs> and that kind of references many of the documents that you know that you'll want to get rid of. Is that the one that you have to do the old uh, the, the the old pencil shading trick on? Yeah, yeah, you have to do the L.A. Noir, uh, <laughs> you know, pencil shading thing, which is cool. I liked that. That was a that was that was a good puzzle. Again, genre savvy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, this, this last part, like for, for as much, for as, for as awesome as that is that you have to like go through and take stock of everything that you have and, you know, you know, keep track of it. I, no matter what I did, I couldn't, I couldn't go to the police and not get arrested. Yeah. It's, it's, it's tricky. And it's, it's the, the writing is not quite detailed enough to yeah. really totally spell it out the way I think they would need to. Or something like this because it, it gives you know there is that character limit because it is a nintendo game mm-hmm. so you know it could have used a little bit more of a, of a prompt i definitely remember when i was younger not having this exact same problem like going to the police um constantly getting arrested yeah and just not knowing what else to do and well you can go to the police at any time too mm-hmm. yeah and uh so it's up to you to kind of end the game you just have to find enough evidence and, and get rid of enough evidence to make it work but yeah and, that, and that's the end of uh Deja Vu, it shamelessly sets up for a sequel. Um, <laughs> Ace Harding gives kind of a, a Batman-esque I am justice and crime will never sleep <laughs> speech that seems really kind of out of place. A little bit. And uh, apparently goes to Las Vegas in the, the second one. That goes weird. goes to Las Vegas and wakes up in purple underwear. Is the, yeah. That's the setup for <laughs> yeah. Deja Vu too. Yeah, I, so yeah, kind of kind of general things about this. You know, I think we hit a lot of them. You know, I mean, for me, it's easy to overlook some of the game's flaws because of the film noir setting. Um, mm-hmm. And all of these games are kind of like right in like three of my four wheelhouses. Yeah. So like just I'm I'm giving a lot of leeway. Um, right. And and I would go as far as to say the game, you know, can can use the leeway. You know, it is it is a fun game. Like, I like this game. It is interesting. It's really historically important. But it is not... Uh, it is, I got my I got frustrated several times. Oh yeah, it's definitely several, the weakest. There's some definitely some frustrations about the the series in general that I want to save for the end. Yeah. That since this was uh you know, this one got specifically I guess because it's more inherent than this than any other one. 
Um, this game, these games would really benefit from some kind of like smart navigation, like the game kind of predicting what you need to do mm-hmm. and doing some of the navigation for you. Most uh, obviously to me, when you are getting out of a cab, um, putting you to the inventory page with your money mm-hmm. would have been a really easy programming thing. So you didn't have to slowly scroll through your inventory to get back to the first page every single time you got out of a cab. Yeah. Now, the game knows you're going to need your coins then. It just would have been a really nice little touch. And those little kind of hallmarks, those smoothing of rough ev- edges, are the kind of thing you almost don't notice in modern games. Yeah. You know, but uh, the when you when you play something that that's this old, I mean, this you know, <laughs> twenty five years old, the, you know, this game just about. Um, a lot of those kind of things are definitely lacking. Yeah, and, and it's almost like a gotcha instance in a lot of tis. Like this, this comes up in Uninvited, which you know, which which we'll get to. But some of it seems like, okay, is this intentionally a way for you guys to like mess with me? Just like, nope, nope, you you're gonna die because you didn't open that first. Right, yeah. right, and and again, I think that stuff's ameliorated by the fact that you know there's so little consequence for death. Yeah, it's like true. I just you know it, that stuff. I mean, seriously, in Deja Vu, there's a an area of the street where if you keep walking, you fall into a construction pit. <laughs> like it, there's literally no way you can know about it um, ahead of time. There's nothing else you could have tried. It's just going to an area in a genre where you have to go to every single area. Mm-hmm. But if you just click continue, you just start out the screen before it. Yeah. So it's no big deal. I think that's the you know the developers having fun. Yeah, like, I think that, that that's a perk, not a not a drawback. Yeah, but it it, it does go against you know your instincts mm-hmm. because you are uh, you know you don't want to die in a video game. Like the idea of, of death being this kind of fun thing that you know the 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 developers can just kind of throw at you is is maybe you know it's not unique to this game, but it's definitely unique for the time. I don't know. Just to, it's going back to like smoothing out rough edges. It's basic UI design. You want to reduce you want to reduce friction as much as possible. And uh, to, to to accomplish the simplest task, you have to hit so many buttons. Yeah, I mean, we, like I was going to talk about this at the end, but the the nesting of objects you can open, yeah, is a nightmare. <laughs> like, anytime you see a box or an envelope, try to open it before grabbing it. If the game will let you, and get everything out of it that you need to, and then just leave, so you don't have this like one hanging screen on your left with an open <laughs> envelope's content just for you know the rest of your life. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that stuff's very frustrating. And your your mouse moves very slowly. Um, everything just kind of happens at a slow pace mm-hmm. in this too, which makes that that kind of navigation a little bit frustrating. Yeah, they really should have done a Mario Paint like prequel so they could put a mouse on the NES, so I didn't have to uh, move a cursor around with a D pad. It's kind of like playing Lethal Enforcers uh, without yeah. the light gun, <laughs> just a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it's it's one of those things. Like I can, I'm one of those guys that um, even the the PlayStation Two era. Like I played uh, Deus Ex with on PS2 first. Like I can play things. I can you know adapt myself to different interfaces and controllers, and I can do it in this game too. But it's definitely not ideal. You know, it's yeah. just like some games I, I like enough or genres I like enough to make that sacrifice for. Yeah. But of course, it'd be nice if it wasn't. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not you know counting that against it. It's just one of those things that's inconvenient. I will yeah. you know I. I if somebody said like, "Hey, dude, do you want to play Maniac Mansion right now?" It's like, "Yeah, I will. I will. I will give over the next hour and a half of my life to play through Maniac Mansion." Um, yeah. Giving, give, giving, giving no thought to the fact that I will have to nudge this cursor around the screen with a D pad. But, but still, you know. when it comes to Maniac Mansion, just why has there been like a PC port that has the NES music? I know, right? Like that's all I really want. I just like the music is really just the, that's the thing because you can play it in Scum VM, but it's a different version. Yeah, and not not nearly as good. Yeah. Speaking of spooky mansions. 
Yeah. <laughs> so the, the second game in the series is Uninvited. It was released for Mac in 1986 and Nintendo in 1991. Yeah. The game falls squarely into the horror genre, kind of taking place in this big old haunted house. Um, and you and I noticed a lot of, uh, you know, Lovecraft um, uh, illusions. N- none of the literature that I read about the game, you know, made it clear that that was intentional. But how could it not be? Yeah, specifically the, the strange case of Charles Dexter Ward. Um, this game is all about um, uh, a sorcerer's apprentice slowly taking over the mind of, of the protagonist in the game and uh, kind of growing too powerful and rebelling. And, and so there's a lot to that to it. Um, this is also kind of notably the only Mac venture to take place in the present day. So, so in this game, you're, you're a nameless protagonist and you, you wake up after a car crash right in front of a foreboding mansion, which I thought was really cool. Like it, it, the opening narration, you know, you see a shadowy figure in the road. Um, you pull off, the, you know, you, you swerve to miss him. You, you, cra- you crash into a tree. It's really kind of action packed for the beginning of this. Yeah. And you have a limited, you know, in kind of an intersection of action and adventure, you have a limited amount of time to escape the car before it blows up. Um, but when you do, you notice that your older sister is nowhere to be found. She is missing. Yeah. So you have no option but to venture into this house to look for help. However, you quickly discover that uh, the house was home to a powerful sorcerer and his uh, apprentices, the most powerful of which was Drakan, who killed all the others, causing the house to become haunted. Or maybe it was haunted before, you know, sorcerers tend to draw spirits and all that. Yeah, there's there's a lot of different uh, monsters and ghosts and stuff yeah. here. So it, it seems like they probably come from different different things. But it's again, it's a genre exercise. It's just an excuse to play around <laughs> in this in this genre. Um, during the quest to find your sister, you learn several magic spells, and you encounter and defeat a lot of supernatural beings, um, including Drakan himself. And and I love the way that you defeat Drakan. <laughs> and uh, the the um, eventually you escape with your sister. And that's the end. And she uh, gives you kisses and hugs and gives you little hearts, which is weird. And adding <laughs> weirdness to it is in the PC version, she's your brother. Yeah, so she's I, your, your, your younger brother in the PC version. Yeah. No, um, so I died in the car at the beginning, which I thought was awesome. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I, I feel like it was kind of misleading to open with this, with this timed car sequence because the rest of the game is pretty, uh, is pretty subdued. Um, right. But uh, if you don't, I think you have three turns to escape and all you really have to do is, you know, open the door and get out. But I was like, huh, I wonder what the speedometer is. Hmm. Was there anything in the glove box? Oh, man, that gas pedal looks. Yeah, this is this kind of weird thing that this game, these games do. And I think this is done a little bit better in in Shadowgate. But this intersection of like a timed action puzzle Mm -hmm. within the mechanics of the adventure game. So like other adventure games, like, you know, at some point I would like to play um, Snatcher and Snatcher is a really great adventure game um, of this kind of, you know, first person thing. But there are action sequences that turn into these terrible shooting side trolling things are just awful. Mm-hmm. And these games, there's kind of nods towards action or at least limited, uh, you know, time puzzles, but they're all, they're all within engine. They don't, you know, drag you out or anything like that. And I, I like that really. I thought that was really cool. Um, but you continue into the mansion, and uh, I don't know. I, I was kind of nonplussed about the mansion itself. There, you know, it's 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 creepy and it's and it's cool. But like the first floor, not much you do except go into the library and learn some spells. Um, how did you feel about the spells? Um, it's it's a little bit odd. I agree that you just kind of can learn them, <laughs> learn them uh, just by by reading them as just a regular person in the modern day. Um, they they're mostly they unlock things or essentially keys or just puzzle solutions. Yeah similar to how they are in, in Shadowgate. I'd also played Shadowgate first. Okay. So that um you know made sense to me. 
the main thing I thought was strange when you first go into the mansion is that, you know, you're this guy, you're in this haunted mansion, you're looking for your sister, and you spend most of your time commenting on how nice the antiques are. <laughs> like, if you look at anything, like, your guy is just so impressed with the antique furniture. Yep. It's it's ridiculous. Yeah. It is ridiculous. But uh, you, you quickly realize just that this is not the, uh, you know, not, not a usual creepy old house, especially when a ghost, uh, you know, Southern Belle shows up for no reason. It happens really early. And, yeah. and to me, this really telegraphs kind of awesomeness. Like, I love this encounter yeah. with, the, with the evil Scarlet O'Hara thing. The, uh, um, you know, you can talk to her and, and she says something like, um, you know, like you can join me, like come join me forever or something, you know, suitably creepy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if you try to leave her, though, um, she turns around and is a, uh, you know, and the game, the games, I mean, we haven't really mentioned this. These games are barely animated. Yeah. They're almost entirely just still screens. And when they do animate, it's jerky and terrible. I mean, there's literally just like a slideshow. Mm-hmm. You know, this game can be done in PowerPoint. <laughs> but every once in a while, something like this will happen. Or if you hit her, it gives you the big hit sound effect. And then it shows a close-up on her, her skeleton face. The music gets kind of loud and makes a sound effect and everything. And it's almost startling. Yeah. Like, it's almost, you know, it almost uh, transcends this kind of, uh, you know, PowerPoint hypercard stack. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that's, uh, you know, this game is visually. So it's a really cool encounter. Oh, you also have to comment on the music, too, because she she appears and it turns into the NES happy-go-lucky music. Yeah. It's like, oh, this, yeah. Is, th- th- this couldn't be problems, this apparition. Right. <laughs> <laughs> there are no nice ghosts. No. In, no. Uh, in Uninvited. Of course, the way that you deal with her is on the second floor, you find a, uh, a cabinet containing a, uh, a solution called No Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> which is a little bit on the nose just a bit just yeah. a little bit obvious yeah and uh and this gives you one of the first like big screw you moments because when you attempt to use the no ghost on her um if you didn't remove the cap it doesn't work and she immediately devours your flesh <laughs> yeah. um, so pretty fun but it is it is a it's a little bit like okay it's kind of like oh you, you didn't hold the gun the right way you shoot yourself you know <laughs> there, there there go all your hopes and dreams yeah there go all your dreams and aspirations <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah, but I kind of like the second floor where you're going through the uh, the 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 rooms because it's kind of mist like, you know. You're kind of indirectly observing, you know, the, the the living quarters of these places, and you're picking up notes. Like you find the uh, the the sorcerer's notes. I say, and this Drakan guy is going to be trouble. This is also where you can find the the kind of arbitrary time limit for this game, um, and it's awesome because it's totally optional. Yeah, I there's didn't a, pick it up. In a box, there's a ruby. And if you take that, that contains the sorcerer's spirit, and he starts taking over your mind, <laughs> which is fucking awesome. And uh, that's that, that's the kind of that you can die from that. Um, you literally turn into a to a zombie if he if he takes over. But you start getting these really creepy little texts about how you start feeling at home in the place, like how it, it starts. You know, you start feeling at home with the inhabitants and everything like that. Really cool. And mm-hmm. and I love that it's optional. Like, there's nothing. I want. There might be a, a diary that hints towards the ruby. I think there is that his soul is contained in a ruby, right? Maybe. I feel, I, I feel like there is. I feel like it telegraphs really weakly and kind of obliquely that there might be a reason not to take this ruby. Yeah, I just I forget is the ruby like in among other items that you would have taken? Like, just kind yeah, of like, yeah, okay. it's in a closet um, upstairs. So, so I have no reason why I would have not taken it, except either if I read it in a note. Or if I read a fact and it's just like, don't take the ruby. I was like, okay, I won't take the ruby. Well, and the nice thing is you're not fucked if you if you take the ruby. Because one, every time you die, it kind of resets your counter. So if you die from being possessed, 
and just continue, you have another 40 moves or something like that every time. Yeah. Um, the other thing being is that if you can put it together and figure out that's what's doing it to you, you can get rid of the ruby. Yeah. Um, there's there's one area in the game where it's like, well, I better leave things I don't need here. <laughs> so, and if you, if you want to, you can put the ruby down there and yeah. get rid of the, the possession. You just have to figure out that it's the ruby and not both four. Right. And again, maybe that's a, a weakness of the, the platform where there's just kind of not enough writing in the game to, to obliquely hint at that well enough. <laughs> so, But it's a cool concept, like you said. Yeah. And I need to go reread the case of uh, Dexter Ward. Yeah, it's good. It's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's a, one of the better ones. <laughs> um, yeah, th- this game has a lot more chaff items than Deja Vu. So many. Yeah. Like, I don't know what the difference is between insecticide and spider cider, um, <laughs> but there are both and they're both in a closet. Uh, yeah. Yeah. One of them has a more fun name. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the difference is between uh, pot one and pot two <laughs> or pot three or pot four. Like, just like so much just like cutlery and, 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 ugh. And they all have descriptions. Like, you know, a big part of these games is reading the item descriptions. It's more important in Shadowgate, uh, but it's pretty important in this one too. But some of those could actually be really, really important to you. So again, it's it's kind of the puzzle of the game is to kind of figure out what is interesting yeah, and what's what's noteworthy. So you go back down to the first floor and uh, in one of the kind of like servants' quarters, you find this ghostly uh, this ghostly servant who threatens to like, what's he, what's he threatening to do? Like just decapitate you or, you know, yeah, some, something, something just evil. I can't remember exactly what it was. Yeah. But he's afraid of spiders. So you just, you know, you trap this, you trap this spider who crawls across the screen in some spider cider. <laughs> I, love, <laughs> I love the way like you wait for him to crawl across the entire screen. <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Before putting the, uh, same, putting the cider down. Same yeah. thing with the key imp. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that camp is, is, is a real goofy touch. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a, there's a, every once in a while you go in this room and this little monster boogies across the screen to this like funky music <laughs> and he, he's holding a key and he's just like, and the text is like, I have no idea how to describe what I just saw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah your guy <laughs> doesn't get it either. I guess he's the only non benevolent creature in the game. Yeah. And eventually you can trade him a cookie for that key. <laughs> I like how you eventually get that key. And that mm-hmm. key that key ultimately is like the, the, the key to the game. That's how right. you win. Right. And you need a cookie, which you have to go out and get in like a mausoleum <laughs> out back. Like I guess this in the time it didn't seem such strained adventure logic, but now that we're actually unpacking it, like, well, to get the key from the monster, you have to get the cookie from the mausoleum. And to get the you know, and to get the cookie out of the cookie jar, you have to use this axe that you found upstairs. Yeah. <laughs> the axe in the cookie jar. <laughs> Love adventure games. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> but I like these back these backyard areas. I mean, this is where the like the really creepy kind of cool stuff takes place. Like that uh, that 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 greenhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where yeah, you get the for the mandrake fruit or the forbidden fruit or whatever. Yeah, that's that's really cool, and it's 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 a little bit like um, it reminds me of Chuck the Plant. Yep, in Maniac Mansion. <laughs> like if you give him enough uh, water, it, it grows. And uh, abandoned greenhouses are you know like my plants are creepy to me. Abandoned greenhouses are a nice, creepy location. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned. Sunflowers, Gary. Sunflowers. Yeah, sunflowers. Sunflower, yeah. the big old bee on it. I remember. I remember. <laughs> um, the uh, so you know you get this fruit. You're 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 still kind of exploring. This game takes a while to tell you what to do as well. Yeah. Um, which is like a thing I don't feel like they really figured out until Shadowgate. So this one, you're really just kind of doing everything you can. One of the cool things is there's a a, a chapel with these dogs guarding it and you scare them off you have a spell that summons thunder and thunder will scare them because dogs hate thunder 
But if you if if you just walk past and they kill you, it gives you the you know this was the game that we both played first, even though we're tackling them in a different order. Mm-hmm. And uh, this was one of my favorite like first just condescending death narration. <laughs> like the first line is like, "Well, there you go." <laughs> <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> the chapel's loaded with those things too, because once you use the uh, the open sesame spell, and mm-hmm. the and 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 that thing slides back, or the like the the, the I guess altar slides mm-hmm. back, you can you can look down and you see, hey, there's a big spider down there. You can look again and say that spider looks pretty angry. You can try <laughs> and go down. And it says, I wouldn't go down there. That spider looks awfully mean. And then you can just like if, if you try enough, you eventually jump down there. It's like, oh boy, a spider killed you. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? What did you think? Exactly. Idiot. <laughs> The, the the condescension in the narration of these games is great. Yeah. Um, the chapel does lead to my least favorite part of this game. So awful. Big big first person maze in a within a game with a time limit. Um that's turn based. Yep. So what what part of that sounds good to you? Nothing. Like any of it? Like, like ugh. It's- and I'm I'm inherently I like mazes I do you know whether it's on a Denny's placemat or <laughs> you know that 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 old uh, that old Windows screensaver that was the maze that I desperately wanted to play but you couldn't yeah we we talked about that Windows we have share I think so I think we brought up that screensaver I mean, oh, we'll yeah but no I, I like that I I like the idea of of mazes but this is kind of like the the the, the underground tram and mist where it's it's just awful because you're just kind of like going and there's no sense of direction either like on your on your little overhead thing it's always like what's behind you is south so mm-hmm. you have to actually like make a map as you go along so i just straight fact it yeah no no compass and there's no even miss had that kind of sound which was a was an obtuse but very cool puzzle yeah about how to get through the the underground maze and mist but this game doesn't have that so i i fact it as well um somehow when i was younger i got through it don't fucking ask me how but i was able to get through it when i was younger when you're young you have you have patience and shit. Yeah, weird thirteen-year-old super video game skills <laughs> that you have as a kid. But yeah, you know, you get through this. There's a couple of cool encounters in the maze. There is a giant like bouncing tomato monster <laughs> thing that I really want to find an animated GIF of. So if anybody knows of one, I just I want that as like an icon for chat. Is this bouncing <laughs> tomato monster because he looks awesome? And when you eventually get rid of him, I can't remember exactly how you you scare him away. Or no, you release a bird. Yeah. And he goes off to eat the bird because tomatoes eat birds. Yep. And the um, <laughs> he just goes like, like Poochie, you know, I must go to my home planet now. Like he, he just leaves the screen like that, and it's great. It's hilarious. You also find a zombie, um, and then you find a bunch of zombies if you go the wrong way. Yeah. Um, yep. I didn't encounter that, but I read about it. Um, there's probably a lot of things in this maze I didn't encounter because I fact it, which is, you know, kind of cool, but like, it's just not fun to navigate. Yeah. Like you can find, uh, you can find, um, tombstones for Ace Hardy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Which is really cool. There's a couple of different references. You also, you can find in the, inside the house, you can find a, a broken, uh, Victrola that plays a, an out of tune, broken version of the main Shadowgate theme. Yeah. So that is kind of nice little, little references between. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, in Shadowgate, there's a flute that plays the first couple notes of the, uh, deja vu theme. So these games are definitely a part of a series. They're definitely supposed to be tied together a little so bit. Many, so many earwigs. Like, I've got that da 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 yeah. Deja Vu stuck in my head. I've had it stuck in, he- in my head all week. Um, since yeah, the, the, the music in, in all three of these games are great. Um, it's, it's clearly composed by the same person mm-hmm. as well. And I was trying to figure out who did it and see what else they've done. I couldn't. I didn't find very much. But that might be a project for the future to, to spend a little bit more time looking through that. 
Yeah, I forget what the ultimate point of going through the, uh, the 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 maze was. Is that how you get the the gem that leads into the magisterium? Yes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's how you get into the magisterium, which is a great word. Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> um, also in the in the maze, real quick, you you mentioned drew this parallel in your notes, and I didn't notice it, but there's a little puzzle where you run into a uh, a, a hawk, a snake, and a cat, and it's it's a cool little variant because you can do you just have one action you can do. Yeah. And uh, you can put one of them in a cage, and if you do it wrong, the other ones will, will kill you in some way, shape, or form. Um, so it's a cool use you said it's a, a variant on the fox, corn, and hen puzzle, yeah. which is that classic, you know, I only have room for two things on the uh, on the raft yeah. puzzle. So, and that, that's a really good uh, observation. I didn't notice that. Yeah. I just, I love, I love that one. I, I like lateral thinking puzzles a lot, like I have books of them. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's my, uh, I saw that. I was like, "Oh, I get this. One of them's going to eat the other, <laughs> and mm-hmm. the 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 wrong combination will eat will eat me." So, yeah. yeah. And if you, you when you take the the hawk, the snake eats the cat, and it's real <laughs> it's real ridiculous looking. Yeah, it's uh, like it's, the it's, cat it's like when the when the when the school uh, snake ate Millhouse. Exactly. That's yeah. exactly what it looks like. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so you get to the magisterium, which is a uh, you know uh, an arium of magus. <laughs> and uh you know so you, and the, you're all doing this whole thing to get that cookie jar we mentioned before to get the cookie yeah. which you break open with a huge axe yep and the axe breaks yep of course hell of a jar <laughs> yep. the uh it's, it's in kind of a fun subversion you know under the magisterium you go through these kind of icy tunnels and you, you find dracon or you run to a wizard that warns you he says you know when you dracon is still you know his spirit is free or the demon that takes over his spirit i can't remember exactly which is free but he's sleeping um, when you you know you have to find him and kill him, and uh, he's just sleeping next to a pit. Well, he's uh he, he's frozen in ice. Like the oh, yeah, the, the, yeah. the sorcerer's he, last action was to imprison him in ice. I, I forgot about that. So you had to thaw him out, and then then he's sleeping next to a pit. Yeah, I, I forgot and, about that. And the way you defeat him is you use him on the pit. And it's like <laughs> you just kind of roll him over. Get in the hell, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, like. Uh, Okay, Nuffy, go to go to sleep, buddy. And then you just kind of roll him into this pit, and he dies, and that's the sorcerer. Um, there's still like a demon to fight at the end, but I, I, I this was was anticlimactic and kind of a perverse way that was fun. To me. So rolling people over, you're you're either saving Jimi Hendrix's life or you're killing a I was gonna say so. So with Drakan out of the way, you still have to find your sister, and uh, you get a, a, an item um, from killing Drakan of some kind or unlock something. It does something to allow you to actually go find your sister. Yeah. Um, and she is in in kind of a fun puzzle. Like she's in an upper story bathroom or a hidden passage above an upper story bathroom in the the mansion, and uh, you have to notice that the the light fixture looks like it has handles on it, so it can be turned, but then you can't reach it. So you have to run water in the bathtub, and uh, water keeps filling up, and the idea being that you're going to be able to swim up to the, the light fixture, but the game increasingly warns you, mm-hmm. um, which is really kind of neat. Like it's, it's, it's saying, you know, the water is getting harder to breathe, et cetera, et cetera, and you just have to be patient and keep trying to open the, the thing, and you get, you know, get out just in time. You have to do this counterintuitive thing that looks like it will like, just inevitably lead to you dying, but doesn't. When, when you get there, your sister, um, there's, a, there's a demon. Mm-hmm. I'm a demon. 
and uh, <laughs> there of some kind, and uh, you use you use a, a goblet of holy water on the demon, and which is have... just you know, yeah, just use item on on thing is how you fight monsters and stuff. And it doesn't game. make sense that it's that that it's a goblet of holy water. Like again, if you're not inspecting everything in your inventory, you just you have no reason to think that it's full of water. You know. Right. But you see it as like, oh, it's it's full of water and it has a cross on it. So must be holy water, right? Right. And at this point, you're kind of low on items that like, and you could throw like the bellows at him or throw cup two at him or something like that. But you're kind of, I feel like you're at least kind of low on items that could be big plot items. That's true. So it's not, it's not too bad, but you're right. It doesn't telegraph it very well. And then uh, your sister makes out with you a little bit. And then you guys go home to yep. have babies with eyes too close together. <laughs> Um, so, <laughs> apparently. I guess. So general thoughts about uninvited. I know this is an asinine thing to say about um, a, a, a game from 1985 that has like, you know, graphics that are four pixels wide. Um, wasn't too scary. I mean, just a lot of it was, I mean, I expected to be a bit more unnerved, but I think the only genuine like jump scare I got was the Scarlet, Scar, uh, Scarlet of Horror. Yeah. Uh, so. And, and they, 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 they uh, kind of throw her out early. <laughs> Agree. Like, there's some creepy ideas in it, but most of it's like a mash of stuff that I already understand, and they don't yeah. have enough time to really paint a picture. It's it's it is a I, like I I was not scared by it either. I think that it would be a little crazy if you were. Some of the music is pretty creepy. Um, another thing, just like this, this came more into play in in, in Shadowgate. I played this before I played Shadowgate. Um, I just I don't like the spells. They're just like these weird back pocket things that you forget you have until mm. you literally can't progress in another way. So you just go and read the description. It's like, oh, okay, dummy. Like I just... They're a little bit like the the opening the doors with bullets and deja vu. Yeah, a little bit. Where like most of the things you're going to get past, there's an item solution for it. And then every once in a while, it's a spell. I felt like the ones in, in Shadowgate are a little bit better described. Yeah, they like, like they I... give oblique hints about like what they would be used. Like, when there's fire and a demon in your way, chant and, you know, blah, blah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So they didn't, they didn't bother me too much, but I also just came to it, you know, expecting it. Yeah. Like having played it when I was younger, I don't know what I would think if I came to it fresh. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and you know, this game, it it obviously is kind of wrapping up, ramping up, you know, to, to Shadowgate, which is the the perfection of this very, uh, you know, this specific series of this genre, I would say. The Shadowgate is the last of the Mac Venture games uh, developed, so 1987, but was the first to be ported the, to the Nintendo Entertainment System in 1989. And uh, it's a little bit more difficult than Deja Vu or Uninvited. A little uh, bit? Almost, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, you know, I, I have this game memorized. Okay. I don't, it doesn't, I can, I can pretty much just recite for you a list of actions that beats this game. So I, I guess I shouldn't, uh, I shouldn't speak to that because <laughs> I, I am definitely biased. Okay. Yeah, I mean for 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 me and like we'll, we'll we'll get to this, but like there there's a there's a point like very early on like two screens two screens in where I just found myself getting stuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I never progressed beyond that. And I'm talking like when I rented it as a kid and when I emulated it as a slightly older kid and up to when I played it for this. Mm-hmm. Um so <laughs> So um yeah, this uh, the difficulty of this game uh you know, it's 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 notorious for it. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's, it, it can be pretty tough. But it's also pretty cool because this has the, like, the, the most ways to die and also the most graphically described deaths. Mm-hmm. Which, which is, is, is fun for me now. As a kid, it was super fun. You know, like it was just like, I just, I didn't, you know, I'd never, uh, you know, seen anything quite like that. Mm-hmm. Where it was just uh, uh, these really, really kind of morbid, um, it felt kind of subversive to yeah. read these things. Mm-hmm. Um, really fun. So the um, the kind of arbitrary time limit for this one is this torch system. Um, so you, you have to have a torch lit at all times. And if you don't have a torch lit, you trip, uh, break your neck and die, which like you do, you know, I can't walk around in the dark um, at all. And uh, you have a finite number of torches. Each torch only lasts for a certain number of actions. This was not a problem to me at all, this playthrough, because I knew, you know, I, I think I ended the game with like seven torches, yeah. um, you know, no problem. But again, I couldn't come at it fresh. The, the music that plays when you start running out of torchlight, it will forever make me nervous. <laughs> like, forever. It's like the Sonic Drowning music? Totally. It's, it, exactly. It's exactly like that. So, uh, good good on you. Right <laughs> off to you to Shadow Gate for that. Because that music creates a Pavlovian nervousness response in me to this day. Yeah, just for scarring you for life. I never got that low, so I don't know. But like the 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 music does change. I didn't notice this, didn't notice this until I was like really bad off and like down to my last little ember of a of a of a flame on one, and I relit, and then the music automatically changed. It's like oh, like that was a cool little touch mm-hmm. that I wouldn't have noticed. And yeah, I didn't know about the torch thing until much much later. Um, you know, until I ran out and you know died <laughs> now shadowgate being as popular as it was um it had two sequels one of which was for the uh turbo graphics uh cd which uh featured terrible voice acting and shadowgate 64 for the n64 which uh featured terrible textures i encourage you to go onto youtube or check the show notes to uh to see uh some videos of these uh the the shadowgate 64 that looks actually like kind of fun <laughs> i'm surprised i never played shadowgate 64 i think it's one of those like five richest kings in egypt games oh, now yeah. um but i'd really like to play it because i i am a big fan of this this game um so the plot of the game it's basically the most cliche fantasy story ever really there's a big evil sorcerer warlock guy who is going to summon a gigantic demon called the uh, behemoth and you are summoned by the circle of 12 to uh venture into uh the castle Shadowgate in order to uh defeat him mm-hmm. yeah and it's filled with with death traps and beasts and everything. And uh, eventually you can assemble this ancient artifact and uh, send the behemoth back to hell. And he takes the warlock with him and you uh, get to marry the princess and are crowned a king and everything ends well for you. Yep. Um, so tell me about this first place where you, where you get stuck. <laughs> first okay. place where he gets stuck. Yeah. Literally the first puzzle. Uh, your, your, your first screen that you have, you, you know, there's, there's the door, um, you're outside the castle and say, okay, open door, open door, move through door. You go inside and there's this, uh, you know, there's this spooky guy who tells you you're a fool to come here and -hmm. all of that stuff. Didn't the other children tell you not to come to this house? House? (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, and then you're stuck there and you're in this hallway that has three doors, none of which you can open. And I didn't realize that, you know, they didn't start you inside the castle for a reason. Outside the castle, the keystone of the arch above the door, hint keystone, opens up and there's a key inside. And that was the puzzle that I could never solve before. Right. The, the, the warlock, it's, it's very similar to him buying one of those little fake rocks <laughs> to, to, put his, to put his extra key in. 
but you know, if you, if you once you get that key, I, I feel like that's one of the only things that's that. See, again, I'm going to say that that's one of the only things that's that unintuitive. But I have no <laughs> idea because this game is hardwired into my DNA. <laughs> um, you should probably take the lead on this because everything is just going to be like, well, of course you use the black stone on the purple medallion, <laughs> like duh. Like <laughs> this all just seems like super second nature to me. Yeah, yeah, no, I, and, and I have the I like my that that old Russell Demaria book, the uh, Nintendo Secrets of the Sages thing. Like mm-hmm. that has a walkthrough for Shadow for for, for Shadowgate in it, but hmm. you know, and I've 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 read it enough, but none of it's hook. Like uh, that, like that yeah. book that I read front to cover, like and when I was learning to read, none of it took. And I, and I kind of refused to uh, go back to it for this uh, just out of principle. For some reason, facts are okay, but that book is not. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, sages. Yeah. So I had no access to the manual, um, so I had no idea that the torches were as important as they were mm-hmm. until they ran out and I broke my neck. Um, I was like, okay, yeah. <laughs> so then I like started automatically seeing torches in the environment. It's like, yoink, yoink, yoink. Yeah. Uh, the, the game's very generous with them, at least in the beginning, and then it gets a little bit cagier. Yeah, and then, and then right towards the end, where like you're not going to be in torchlit areas anymore, they give you a bunch, like you know, to like get you through to the end. You know, right. So toward, towards the towards the middle, it's going to be a pretty dire situation if you haven't, you know, been uh, especially ju- judicious. But I would find myself in this one because that's like that's a kind of shitty way to die. Especially, I would find myself. Um, save stating before an area and then examining everything in the room and opening everything I could and then reloading right before I did all that stuff. So I didn't waste turns. Right. Uh, which is super, super scummy, but I just wanted to beat the game. I'd rather see interesting deaths than like, Oh, here's a skull saying, what an unfortunate way for your adventure to end. You broke your neck and you died. Right. Right. Yeah. The, the torch stuff is not the most fun. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just kind of like this, uh, this is a bigger game than any of the ones that were before it. There's like more areas, but they are, but they're all kind of like cordoned off into their own kind of like separate, separate pieces. So you have like the first halls of the, you know, of the castle shadow gate where you kind of like first learn that you need to like look for strange things in the environment. Like some of the like best ways to progress are like, Ooh, this wall panel is weird. So I need to press it or use it or, you know, you know, things like that. Um, and they become less obvious as the game goes through. So it's it's yes. down to that kind of missed, you know, paying attention yep. mechanic, which I really like. It's not just, you know, previously you kind of could scan your environment for just things you can pick up. Mm-hmm. And uh, in this game, you know, you're looking for things out of the ordinary as well. Yeah, uh, it's that con- it's that conservation of detail, you know, just like everything was such an effort for them to put it in here that mm-hmm. it, it, it must serve some kind of purpose. And that's more true in this than in any of the others, I think. Mm. Um, yeah, so I don't remember an awful lot, like, like specific rooms and stuff like that. Like you find the secret room with the sword and the sling, which are obviously going to serve important purposes later. Um, you find a secret passageway down to, uh, down to an area where you have a choice between a, uh, nice sturdy stone bridge and a rickety rope bridge. And I was a sucker and I went for the rope bridge first and obviously I died. Yeah. 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 The, 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 you need a, a potion that makes you levitate or makes you very light to get across that bridge. And similar to the medicines in Deja Vu, you you run into a lot of different potions in this game, only one of which you use. Yeah. So, and it's just that one. All the rest of them cause, you know, horrific deaths of some way, shape, or form. And there's no no guide or anything like that. It's just a trial and error thing. Mm-hmm. So that can be a little bit frustrating. Yeah. And you actually get several of the potion twos because when you first cross this bridge, the most important plot item of the game is across the bridge, but you don't have the means to get it right. until way later. Right. Well, it's not much, much later. You just don't have the, uh, like, you just have to have the scepter, right? No, you don't have yeah. to have the scepter. It's you have to have some kind of spell that causes the the snake to straighten out. 
No, it's it's a it's a wand. Okay. You have to have the wand that you get from the lightning area. And oh. to get the lightning area, you have to have the rod, and to get the rod, you have to go up yeah. to the observatory and et cetera, all, et cetera. All of these all of these vaguely equivalent things. Yeah, rods, <laughs> scepters, wands, staffs. Exactly. <laughs> it's, but it's, it's a game about penises obliquely. <laughs> so yeah. Shadow Fox. design this game. Um <laughs> <laughs> Some sometimes a rod's just a rod, um, but uh, like the, one of the first like monsters that you encounter is across that strong bridge. It's a wraith, um, and mm-hmm. there's like a special torch that you get beforehand that's like not with your other torches. Um, and this is where I kind of learned that each of these monsters there's going to be a super non-intuitive way to kill it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. This like fakey torch. The only hint that you have is that it doesn't just get added to your pile of torches. Yeah. Um, if you light it. You get it, you know, it tells you that it burned with like a strange white flame and you can tell that it's going to be important. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's really nothing that tells you that this is how you're going to kill the wraith. So, yeah, I mean, just in there, there are plenty of those kind of kind of areas in the game and those encounters where you're on a screen and then this big, you know, boogeyman shows up in front of you. Um, the, you don't encounter the literal boogeyman, which is which is good because yeah, because it's scary. <laughs> you, you, you jinkies. Um, um, jinkies. <laughs> yeah, but. But uh, but each of them kind of has their uh, their own little silver bullet or little silver arrow, as it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the, <laughs> I was frustrated by the uh, by the epor spell. Yeah, yeah, it's cool that it, it's it's rope backwards. That's fine. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you have to actually to get it to to fire as learning the spell. You have to examine the sign twice. Mm-hmm. So you have to make your in character character fill it out or yeah. figure it out. Which is a little bit frustrating. Yeah, I, I it's mean, also I, a really limited use spell. It's just, it it's just that one. Specific, I mean, all of them are by the nature of the genre. You know, you just use them for one thing. But man, there's just a spell that just makes ropes straighten out. Yeah. So there's this interesting, like, cool, there's this cool little hallway with these, with all these uh, uh, coffins that are that are, that are laid up. You can really screw yourself in this area if you open the middle coffin and let the goo go forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, because if you try and walk through it, you will you will dissolve. Um, so then you always have to go around. Yeah, yeah, you have to circumvent it uh, through this mirror room. Um, and there are plenty of like just like opportunities, like uh, you you can you can get into that dungeon with the with the rope and the epor spell, but you, like you do it through a trap door and you fall and break both your legs and die. You know? Yeah. There yeah, there 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 are bunches of like just like schmuck bait kind of traps like that. But I think this is the biggest one because like I I opened the 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 goo you know, before I realized that I was time limited, I mm. think, and like realized like, Oh crap, this is going to really, really take a toll on my torches. Um, and with the way that I was saving, like I couldn't get back to a point before I did that. So, yeah, that, that, that is rough. The rest of the, these, uh, these coffins, um, I thought it was really cool that there's that, that mummy mm-hmm. and the puzzle is to set him on fire. Yeah. And he's got a, he's got a, a staff inside him. I thought that was really cool because when I first opened, it, I thought like, Oh shit, you know, here's a monster to fight, but it's just literally a mummy. Yeah, it's no big deal. You also open up one that has a banshee in it that just makes your ears ring. It doesn't. It just escapes to go, you know, go live in the uninvited castle. You can't or something like you don't have to deal with anything with it. You can't. You can't die from the banshee. No, the banshee doesn't kill you. Oh, okay. That's it just good. says uh, your ears are still ringing. Yeah, that's good. Unless like four screens down the road, like you don't hear a cannonball <laughs> or something, which like you know who could happen. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's Shadowgate. Yeah, it is Shadowgate. One of the two, my two uh, probably favorite puzzles in the game happen here in this first section. There's a, a, a hallway with four entrances. On the right, there's a lake with a, a skeleton holding a key on the other side. And eventually you get this, this sphere that emanates cold. So you need to freeze the lake, you know, to go over and get the key, which is like fair enough. 
-hmm. But you actually need to get you need to be able to keep the sphere. So you have to actually thaw out the area around the sphere so it'll flow back to the top so you can get it back. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought that puzzle was really cool. Because, I mean, it yeah. doesn't necessarily telegraph that you're going to need the sphere again. Right. But the fact that, like, you know, that makes it just made a lot of sense. It wasn't adventure game sense. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I'm going to thaw out the lake so it floats back to the top and I can rest it, you know, yeah. from that. That was really cool. Like, I really liked that. I didn't realize that I needed the sphere again until I got to the point where I needed it. And I was like, oh, that sphere would be really useful. So I actually backtracked to get right. it again. And it's, and it's not too far away or anything either. It's not yeah. making you redo the whole game. Yeah. It's just yeah. a couple screens down the road. I really like that puzzle. I really like that there's a dragon's lair mm -hmm. that you show up. And it's that, that when I was talking about escaping the car and uninvited, that intersection between kind of an action, time limit based experience and adventure game experience. This is my favorite example of that because you're you're in there. The music kicks in. It's unique music to the to this area. It's really intense, and you just have one action you can do. You know, it tells you the dragon's about to refire on you, and uh, you have this array of items in front of you. So you can grab if you grab the shield first, you're able to buy yourself some time and kind of block that the fire long enough to get the other items that you need. Mm -hmm. And I, I just I really think that it's just really clever. The narration is really pretty tense during yeah. this point. The description, if you the dragon breathes fire on you enough times, it melts your your uh, your shield into into molten molten <laughs> metal, and then uh, you know just strips the flesh from your body. It's really gruesome. It's one of the best uh, gruesome death descriptions. <laughs> it's just really cool. Like I really liked uh, really liked this encounter. Yeah, you can retreat back into the room before, which is actually the cold room. I think that's where the spear was, um, mm -hmm. and actually that cools everything down enough for you yeah. to go back in. And you can so if you want to, you can get everything in in that room. And they're mostly chaff items, but we'll get to this a little bit later. The other kind of big advancement this game made over um, the other ones is there, they, you know, equal number, no, not equal number, but there are several chaff items, but they actually put an in-game use for them. Yeah. And and we'll get to that later. And it's a really cool use. Yeah, it's like a fantastic I really like that. use. Yeah. I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, which, like, it was genuinely a challenge. We'll get to it. We'll get, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get yeah. to it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, the, the way that you kind of proceed, you grab this hammer from the, from the dragon's lair, um, and this hammer is used. There, there's a room with three mirrors, um, and you have to figure out which one is the proper one to, to, to bust open. And this was kind of one of my favorite, you know, like, what a strange way to die kind of moments. Because if you, if you hit the left one, the, the shards come out and they cut you up and you die. If you hit the right one, it opens a portal into space and you're sucked yeah. out into the vacuum. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> it's totally, like, totally awesome. It's like metal. Like, yes, <laughs> would, like, yes would have written a song about the mirror to space. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, yeah. And then it's kind of contrasted with that one on the left where it's just the glass shards. Like, that could happen anytime you smash a mirror. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty lame. You know, like, oops, I smashed it too hard. Duh. <laughs> but the mirror to space is awesome. I'm glad you picked up on that. Yeah. That was probably my favorite death in the game, to be to be entirely honest with you. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's high quality. That's a top shelf death. Yeah. I love that next area is when you need that sphere. So you're, you're on a bridge that has uh, just, you know, is engulfed in flames. The, the area under it is, is on fire. Mm -hmm. And kind of counterintuitively, the way you survive that long enough to throw the sphere down there is to put a cloak around yourself, which I would think would make you warmer. <laughs> but, uh, I guess, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about maybe uh, that happens where people put a cloak and run through fire in, in you know, movies with firefighters. Yeah, I suppose. Such. So that happens. So that's fair enough. Mm -hmm. Um one of my favorite things, though, is you throw that sphere down there and it puts out the fire and you find that it's just a, a, a lake or like a moat full of oil. Mm -hmm. If you want to, you can throw a torch down there and relight it and die. <laughs> so you, if, I was just like, I wonder, it was just a really cool, like, developers thought of everything moment. Yeah. 
Like, I'm like, I wonder if I could relight this lake full of oil. Of course I can. Like, it's a way I can die. Of course they wrote that in. You know? so. Like, these, you know, Sierra may be, like, known for their inventive deaths in their adventure games. But, like, these guys, they were they, they were blazing a trail, I think. Yeah, well, it's just way more fun to die in this than adventure. Like, if you die in a Sierra game, you're actually screwed. Yeah. You know, you never want to actually be screwed. You know, well, you're actually screwed and, you, you know, you can just die from not picking up item A and the first section of the game, yeah. you know, that kind of thing, which is just, that's just bullshit and mm-hmm. classically bad design. Yeah. But, um, you know, the deaths in, in Sierra games are not fun, partly because they're not as focused on description. Like a lot of times in Sierra games, like I remember dying in King's Quest games and just having some little monster like blah, 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 yeah. across the screen and eat me. And it's like, that's not so fun. Right. But seeing all the different monsters in this game eat you and reading it. <laughs> um, including the troll um, who demands a toll. You know, if you want the boy's soul, you have to pay the troll toll. Yeah, you have to pay. You have to get, to get the into the boy soul. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you, and ultimately, the warlock is inside the boy's soul. Yeah. So you have to get inside the boy's hole. Um, the the troll is pretty fun. Did how did you handle this? Because I feel like there may be multiple ways to do it. Well, you don't have gold coins at this point. Um, you have like slugs. So mm-hmm. I, I at first I tried to pass pass them off, uh, but he knows. So then he kills you. Um, and it was another one of those, like, oh, you, you, you dummy, you just need to use violence. So <laughs> use violence, dummy. Yeah. So, so then I, I just got frustrated. I was like, okay, well, let me just try and use every weapon. Sword didn't work. I've got the spear. So I just puck the spear at him and he falls down and it makes a note that there's no thump. So I just think, oh, it's bottomless pit. No problem. Right. But it's actually because he grabbed onto the ledge or something like that. Yeah. Or he, and, he, uh, he flies. He's, he's a flying troll. You know, he, he very well could be. It's just, you know, it's fantasy. So, so things do what they need to do. Yeah. You know, water finds its level in fantasy genre. <laughs> After this, you end up in a courtyard and there's a, a cyclops, um, you know, who, who's standing in the way. And the, the solution is to use your sling. And it's kind of a magic sling. Like it, it takes over your mind when you use it. Yeah. And you, you scream, you know, like uh, you scream out death to the Philistine. Yeah. Which is definitely the first time I ran into that excellent word. <laughs> so as, as, you know, like a 10 year old boy uh, asking my dad what a Philistine was. <laughs> It was, was one of our like four good memories <laughs> with my dad. So biblical racism uh, counts for twenty five percent of my positive memories of my father. Yeah, but uh, it should be noted that Goliath was not a was not a cyclops, and Philistines were not cycl- cyclopes. Um, no. Is that how is that how uh, Odysseus took care of the cyclops? You know, he, he threw a rock at him, but it wasn't a sling. Yeah, like, I think he blinded that, him. Yeah, that sounds correct to me. Yes. We'll need to fact check that, but uh, they're twice okay. as easy to blind as regular people. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I I didn't know to check into the, in the in the bucket in the well though. I I, I knew yeah. to pull the bucket up, but I didn't think to to open it. There's a lot of like really kind of like counterintuitive things. Like you can look at the bucket and it says, "Hey, it's a bucket," and I thought that like looking at it was like looking into it. But you have to open the bucket to get the uh, to get the gauntlet that's inside the. Yeah, bucket. there's some verb problems. Yeah, going on in that. Bit. That's definitely for sure. Yeah. Um, the way you use the gauntlet is pretty neat. Yeah. It's actually, so in this next area, you're inside the castle and uh, you go through a lab that I'll, I'll talk about in a minute, but to stay on topic with this gauntlet, you go to this beautiful fountain and, and a new music plays. It's very peaceful. And uh, there's a flute floating in the fountain and, uh, you know, clearly you need that. But the, the fountain is actually a fountain of acid. Mm-hmm. So if you just reach and grab for the flute, it's just a fantastic description of, of reaching into a, a fountain full of acid. Yeah. Um, so you have to wear the gauntlet. Mm-hmm. And uh, you just get you know get a plot MacGuffin item from that, but I, I just I really like this idea of a fountain like a beautiful fountain that of acid. 
yeah. in the middle of a courtyard. Like that's pretty rad. Exactly. And in the previous area, there's a laboratory, which is is fun because one, it has one of those just pay attention to details thing where there's a, a little hook on the floor, mm-hmm. and you can uh, you can open that to get some holy water. There's also a uh, a bubbling cauldron of magical goop, poison of some kind. Well, it calls it poisonous, but mm-hmm. if you drink the stuff that's in the cauldron that's there, it just makes blue fur grow all over your body. But <laughs> it turns so you, you, into don't, you don't actually die. Yeah, it's pretty much the origin of the beast. <laughs> um, so yeah, and just like it's one of the few times you can drink something that you don't need to drink that you don't die. <laughs> so. That's funny. You can also open the cage and have the dog rip you, you know, just tear your throat out. Absolutely. <laughs> Which is a great description of, yeah, that's what a dog would do, you know? Yeah. Uh, you also have the, uh, um, the library, which I lost myself reading books in that, you know, just, mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the game does have a mythology behind it, which is kind of neat. And I think, which like actually made this one that you could actually make a sequel to. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but you learn some spells and you have to, uh, is there anything more interesting in the library? No, the, the library is fairly bland. Yeah. Um, you have the, again, with like those single use spells, you have the spell that says it cracks the world oh, yeah. and you actually use it to open up a globe, <laughs> which is kind of a clever little pun. But, yeah. uh, when I read a, a spell that says we're going to crack the globe, I thought that um, meant something a little cooler than a little, that. A little bit more epic than that. Um, but you're, you're really entering into this final area where you're gathering all your pieces. Yeah. Um, the way this game kind of tells you what to do is a little bit stronger than the other ones because you get this kind of riddle, you know, this nine rings to rule them all kind of esque thing early on. That's mm-hmm. this like five to find, three to join. Mm-hmm. And this keeps popping up and it tells you, you know, you need a staff, a blade, and a horn mm-hmm. to, uh, and it says like, you know, the one's the key and one is the this, you know, and it kind of tells you what you're going to need. So you know to keep your eye out for those items. And this is really where you start finding all that stuff. Yeah. So you can climb up through this observatory, um, and, uh, and at the top of the observatory, you have this uh, uh, damsel who has chained to the wall, and it talks about how beautiful she is because you know the, the 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 light is glinting on her. And this is one of kind of the more egregious examples of trial and error because there is no way to know that she is a werewolf until she turns into a werewolf and you know kills you. There's one super minor hint, which is really it's not really a hint that she's a werewolf, but a hint that something's not quite right. Yeah. If you speak to her, uh, the text it says is, it doesn't seem to understand what you say. Oh. So it's, it's just the one like, and that's, if, if you fill in the blanks in your own mind, that's a really creepy scene mm-hmm. where like, you're like, well, what's the matter, honey? What's going on? You know, and it just doesn't, it's just looking at you blankly because it yeah. doesn't speak English because it's a werewolf. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's me projecting a lot of, a lot into this game. So I agree <laughs> with you. It's just, I, that's just one of the things I wrote down as a note. But you can kill, you, you, you know, you kill her with a silver arrow when you take one of the pieces of the, uh, of the magic staff. Um, is this where you can go into the, 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 the Sphinx area? Yeah. Yeah. The Sphinx is in the upper right of this area. And that's really cool. The, the Sphinx, you know, he doesn't understand what you, what you, he won't talk to you either. But if you try to, to go up the stairs behind him, he, uh, he asked you a riddle. And this is where all of the chaff items that you've been picking up throughout the whole game come in. And there are a lot of riddles. Yeah. So it actually makes sense to pick up every little thing mm-hmm. in this game. Unlike, uh, you know, deja vu or uninvited yeah because you're going to get these these riddles that are actually like genuinely you know of course whenever riddles are in a video game it's always like what walks on four legs (laughs) you know in the morning it's always that riddle and stuff and some of these were actually like not 100 new to me you know but we're at least not the same tired you know riddly tropes so like i i have i have towns but no houses i have rivers but no water and i have no i have forests but no trees what am i i'm a map 
Right, exactly. Like, it's pretty neat. Like, it's really fun. And every time you pass this guy by, you have to answer a new riddle. Yeah. So, theoretically, you could have already, you know, you could have not picked up the item or given him the item already. Mm-hmm. Well, he gives need. it back to you. It doesn't, it doesn't consume. Oh, does he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You just have to present it to him as the answer to the riddle. Um, but once you get up this, you know, up, up these stairs, the stairs, which, you know, they have a, they have a pattern on them. That's very important for later. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but you get up there and you find the platinum horn. Um, and if you try to take it, I forget what happens. A spirit shows up or a demon, a demon pops up that you have to throw uh, holy water on. Oh yeah. So again, it's the end boss of uninvited just nested in the middle of, <laughs> of this game. It's a cameo. Um, but then you go to the top of the, uh, of the tower and there's this wyvern. Yeah. 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 Um, which you, you throw a star at. <laughs> which from a map again totally arbitrary yeah conveniently it turns into a shooting star and kills it you know and there's really no no hint but you know you this is this is you slowly gathering all this stuff and you're almost done yeah. um you have to go back to that that rickety bridge with with a wand you get the wand from this area this like outdoors area where there's a lightning storm oh, and yeah. uh mostly notable for its music yeah, like, like when you get out there, that, yeah, that music is really, really good. It's gonna when I'm editing this, it's gonna be really tempting just to use all the music from Shadowgate. I mean, we're gonna want to put in the rest of the Deja Vu stuff, but there's not one track <laughs> on the Shadowgate soundtrack I don't think is really good. Well, uh, well the, like when you get the wand, it's super creepy too because you put that lightning rod up and the and it, and it strikes and then this hole just opens up and a like a skeletal hand raises very slowly and it's like like do i take this from you like if i take this are you going to drag me down to hell or or what but it's like this bizarrely innocuous skeletal hand right do i need do i need to use the silver crown on you to make it turn into a fiery ring that destroys you first or do i have to use the velvet sheen on you to you know cover you with mystical moats you know? <laughs> exactly it just but no you can just take the wand yeah or i was gonna say like and you're very close to, to end game at this point you know you, you've gathered up just about everything you need you you ride across the river sticks <laughs> which is really cool um you have to give the uh the grim reaper uh, a coin um and you end up at this or before that you end up in this area with a well and this is one of those examine everything yeah things because the well you can't get down it any any normal way um, but you have a coin that you get out of a bag that has a picture of a well on it. And if you hadn't examined it, you wouldn't know. Yeah. And you throw that coin in the well and it creates like a wind effect so that you float down. Um, so it's not the Grim Reaper. It's actually Sharon. Ah, um, uh, yes. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yes. You're, no, you're right. You're totally right. The Grim Reaper does show up every time you die. Yes. <laughs> There's more Grim Reapers in this than in the whole Castlevania series. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> You get near the end, you have to put together that kind of riddle with all the items you have to figure this out. And I, I like this part a lot. Like, I liked uh, interpreting the riddle to know you have these three different uh, indentations you can put a crest into. You have to figure out which one, um, you know, uh, disables the security device. The description for this gigantic skull door, um, if you look at it, it says, A stone skull stands against the far wall, screaming silently. <laughs> which like you know i like that yeah that was good and then uh you just had to put together your your plot items in the correct order mm-hmm. to, uh, to make the mega staff yeah you blow the you blow the horn to uh get the skull door to open its uh to open its mouth and mm-hmm. uh you get the mega staff yep. and you walk in and oh shit he served he, he succeeded the behemoth is right there mm-hmm. yeah. and kind of the, I mean, the only real trick part to this you know you have to use the mega staff but uh, you can't use it on the warlock. If you use it on the warlock, he he knows that you're going to do it and, and kills you. Yeah. But he's not expecting you to, distri- to to use it on the behemoth. And you can't kill the behemoth, but you just kind of distract and discourage him. 
enough to where the he behemoth decides to you know to call it a day yeah and uh goes back into hell dragging the warlock with him yeah and that's um, the game <laughs> yeah and you get your nice ending where you get to marry the princess which seems and, like uh, incredibly retrograde like what if she doesn't want to marry you yeah <laughs> no 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 you you you, you kill the warlock you get to marry a princess <laughs> she's 400 pounds what a whale it's, 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 the, game, the game is very not progressive exactly 1985 <laughs> um, the stone ages yeah <sighs> damn you marty mcfly So, um, yeah, you know, I, I think that like having played through it, you know, played through it successfully this time, you know, I fact that, you know, you know I'm, I'm not afraid to admit it. This is kind of the closest I've ever gotten to playing a game that I've always wanted to play, which is uh, in the movie Big. He is playing this uh, this adventure game that has this wizard that he has to fight. And, you know, it's like a graphical adventure game kind of thing. I always wanted to play that game, and this is that game to me. Yeah, I guess that's true. I, I never <laughs> thought about that before. This, this is that's that's pretty accurate. Yeah, and just kind of like I, I always, I always like uh, again, bingo cards, Dark Souls, um, death traps, and things like that, and trial and error. I, I like these things. You know, mm-hmm. just I just this is a realization of a setting that I've always wanted to play. It's the reason why I like got into Dungeons and Dragons because I liked you know designing dungeons and you know all of the kind of like tricky gotcha kind of stuff like that. So yeah. this is this is cool. I, I I enjoyed this one immensely. I played it over the course of like the other ones. I like I trickled it out over the course of a couple of days. This one was like a day of playing. <laughs> yeah, it, it's I think it's clearly the the, the best one. Um, it's definitely the one I had the most attachment to. Um, you know, growing up. And, and, and I love it. And even though that love does come with a total blindness to, to errors and problems with it. Yeah. Because like I said, I could just literally just tell you move by move what to do to beat the game probably right now. We're talking about old games from our childhood. We're allowed to have rose-colored glasses. Oh, totally, totally. It, sometimes, it's hold, sometimes it holds up, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, look at EVO. Look at, uh, look at Metroid, right. Metroid Fusion. You know, sure. and this, is, this is one of those things where for you it, help, for you it holds up. And, you know, for, for me as, as a fan of the genre, this is my second favorite genre in the world you know so like i can i can look past it so you know as long as we can both like you know accept that people wouldn't like this because of the trial and error and because of the backwards logic i think that we we can maintain our integrity you know yeah yeah i mean it's it's you know i can't uh uh, unequivocally recommend it to anyone i think if you like adventure games and if you're at all interested in like you know the history of it or seeing where some of the things came from i think that you know this game is, is a really great one to play yeah. Um, you know, clearly very important. Um, just very, very well done. The kind of bigger part to it is that it was released on the Nintendo. Yeah. So it was an entirely new audience, you know, getting this. I, I want to say this was the first. I know there was a, a port of King's Quest on Nintendo, I want to say. I know Maniac Mansion came out. I think this was the first adventure game to be released in the United States. Yeah. Um, you know, watching those Crontendos, tons of, tons of adventure games um, released in Japan. Yeah. That were very similar to this, but the first one released in the United States for a United States audience with like Western re- you know references and everything, and just relevatory to me. Like I, all of those weird you know ga- genres that are unsuited to the Nintendo, 
I played all of them. Like I played Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I played uh, 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 like the not Bard's Tale, um, whatever the the first person D and D RPG. Well, not Wizard. The one that was based on the PC one. I did play oh, Wizard. Okay. Um, but yeah, those those kind of like those genres that are not meant. You know, Nintendo excels at platforming and turn based RPGs. Yeah. You know, and well, uh, like I, I would even I would even compare this to 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 uh, you know RPGs were a thing on PC before and they were a thing on tabletops. But when console RPGs came over, it was kind of like the Beatles coming to the U.S. Totally, like just you know? yeah, one hundred percent new audience. Yeah. You know, and and uh, that was just it was really cool. Like it was just really, I don't know, really exciting to me to and and we talked about this before. Like we were both slow guys. <laughs> you know, like we liked playing games where we could take our time and and think about it. And, uh, you know, I liked action games as well. Mm-hmm. And, but, uh, you know, that, that was really my, my bread and butter was these kind of RPGs and adventure games and, yeah. and just, you know, it was, it was just awesome. It was great. Super great. Yeah, so ordinarily this would be the point in which, uh, we'd want to hear what you have to say. And, but despite the fact that, you know, a lot of people seemed excited that we were doing these games, we didn't get a lot of response uh, about them, really anything of, of note, right. um, which is a little, a little bit disappointing, but is okay. Um, we, I just feel like we've been on a streak. Yeah, recently, so a little bit surprising. But yeah. okay. And we have some more accessible games coming up here, you know, too. These are games that are kind of hard to get a hold of, um, and a lot of people might not have as much of a history with them. Like, I'd never heard of Deja Vu or Uninvited before this. I mean, obviously, Shadowgate's kind of a classic, um, but uh, I'm not as disappointed as I as I probably should be. Given Right. That. Yeah. <laughs> this, this was kind of a, an indulgent thing for us to do, like me because of my history and you because of your love of the genre. Yeah. But, you know, that's what happens when you have a podcast is you're allowed to indulge yourself. Yeah. But but if you have thought, I mean, if you have thoughts about the game, you know, post listening to this, like if listening to this has made you want to go and play them, even though we gave you the solutions to all the puzzles, um, <laughs> you know, you can always like hit us up. You know, it's just duckfeed.tv slash contact. You know, we, we we share that and we, you know, kind of can go go back and forth and we want to get a discussion going. At the very least, go onto the Facebook page and be like, oh, you know, totally, I want to do that. I, I watched Big too, and I wanted to play that game. So, yeah. um, <laughs> we know you watched Big. Yeah, um, it's a classic, yeah, Dan. And, and, you know, in addition to that, if you, uh, you know, we, do, we, we said we do have some more accessible games coming up. Um, the only ones we have so far announced is uh, the next game we're doing is PsyOps, uh, available for the Xbox and PlayStation 2. And PC. Oh. Um, one of our, our listeners, a man named James, who I really like, uh, tipped me off to a free ad-supported version of the game. And it works? Uh, I, I, yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to try it just yet. Okay. It seems legit, huh. but I, I just have had a busy week. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping that works. Um, that link is on our Facebook page um, if you're interested in that. Um, after that, we are doing Bionic Commando for the Nintendo Entertainment System. Yeah. Um, which is a super fun little platformer. And after that, we have not decided what we're doing, but we're committed to doing a fan suggestion. Yes. So we have a, a series of them that we've kind of compiled, um, but we're always looking for more. Yeah. So the ways that you can do that, you know, just same ways that we said before, you can do the email. That's watch out for fireballs at duckfeed.tv, or you can suggest something on the Facebook page. And, you know, if, if, if there are a bunch of people who thumbs up a suggestion, we will, uh, we will take that into more consideration, I think. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. above taking a vote. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, just uh, you have you have a couple weeks to do that. We have we have a month worth of games planned, so we'll, we'll 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 at least want to announce it the the, the next uh, the next episode though. Yeah, so we uh, you'll find out in two weeks. Also, kind of fun um, when this episode comes out. As long as thirty six of you download it, we'll we'll have reached ten thousand total 
episodes. Ten thousand total episodes, or ten thousand total downloads throughout the entire um, you know run of the show. So right. that is that is a big milestone. It's kind of like when you roll over the odometer on your car. Um, at least, at least for me, and uh, we are growing at an exponential rate. So that is uh, that is fun too. Yeah. So thank you guys very much for listening. Yeah. You know, we really appreciate that. And in the spirit of that, I think that we will skip our usual plugs and and all of that jazz. And just thank you guys. You know, you don't have to do anything. Um, just thanks for listening. We really appreciate that. Yeah. That's all. That that that's really all that we could ask of you. Well, I can think of one other thing. Yeah. You know. That we can ask. Um, and that is, uh, if you're going to go around like touching magic rocks and everything or playing with statues or even just, you know, messing with dragons. Right. Well, here, here's the thing is before you watch out for fireballs, you have to make sure that you you've checked the expiration date on your fire, your no fireballs. <laughs> you've opened the cap, you turned it upside down before attempting to pour it on yourself. And, uh, also that you ri- richly lather, watch out for fireballs <laughs> all over your body, <laughs> especially <laughs> your balls. <laughs> yes. Yes. Please. Uh, like, Lather us onto your balls. Good night. <laughs> Good night. As quick as possible. <laughs> <laughs>